good football fans welcome back to the fourth and all podcast alongside my good friends brady bradley and jeremy my name is josh and we appreciate you all tuning in so we are in the thick of mock draft season it is so much fun just i probably look at three a day now this time of year i don't know about you guys but it's so much fun just to kind of hypothesize who's going where and at what value i think it's so fun to to look at it right now and then you see once uh the free agency starts signing and then it's like, Oh, this team doesn't need that anymore. So like, let's say Miami goes out and gets Allen Robinson. Okay. They're not taking Jamar chase at three or Devonta Smith. So it changes so fast. And so like people don't even realize what like mock draft 1.0 Todd McShay does or whoever does it. Cause it's just, they throw them out there and then they change so fast because of the information that they get, but such a fun time just seeing all these different mocks because this is the season of hopes right now i mean you're hoping your team gets so much better that you can a make the playoffs or a take a jump in the playoffs or a make the super bowl or win the super bowl so it's just a it's a fun time um for a lot of nfl teams it's also fun to start like diving into a lot of the film there's a lot of film out there on a lot of these prospects whether you're looking at senior bowl cutups whether you're looking at game film it's it's definitely interesting to see how other people view the film that you watch and you can compare and take some stuff from them and kind of say, Hey, no, I I disagree with what you say and kind of formulate your own opinions on players. That's a really good transition, taking a deep dive. So if you've been with us since the beginning, you knew that we always started the episode with NFL notables during the season. We switched it to one thing notable because there's just so much going on in the league. Well, we're, we're transitioning back to our NFL notables just because it's the time of, hey, a lot of the things that are notable in the NFL, we're all probably going to think. So let's let's get right into some NFL notables. We're going to start with our Trevor Lawrence pro day slash surgery. So a lot has happened with Trevor Lawrence. He had an early pro day for, I think there was five or six teams there. There's only one team that really matters that was there. Um, and then we found out that he is having surgery on his left shoulder. Um it's his labrum, I believe, is what he got, what hurt. Um, and so uh, he's out four to five months, I believe, was the, t- the time frame for that. Um, so he'll be ready for training camp. Um, did anyone watch the pro day? Did, does the surgery concern you at all? What are your guys' thoughts on Trevor Lawrence's big day and, and the news surrounding him? I don't think the surgery is going to do anything for him um, in terms of negative. I mean, obviously it's going to help his arm, um, but in terms of his, his status, um, I don't think it'll hurt, hurt him. Um, but uh, I know those days are set up to make you look good, but he looked pretty good. <laughs> yeah, he did. And the thing of it was, is like he had everything to lose by going to do that pro day. Right. Like it says a lot about him, the kind of player he is aspiring to be and just kind of the person that he is. He's like, all right, about to have this surgery. Like I owe it to this NFL team that, Let's be honest, it's 99.99% sure that they're taking Trevor Lawrence with the first pick. Um, he says, you know what, I'm going to throw for him anyway. And he, he honestly didn't disappoint. The one throw that sticks out to me was he was rolling out to his right, absolutely through, a, I think it was like a 15 or 20 yard uh, out route, just absolutely on a frozen rope. It's just, you saw it on the tape and then you see it in the pro day. It was fun to watch. And to Bradley's point, he wasn't supposed to throw till mid-March, but because of the surgery that he needed to get done, he could have just packed it in and said, nah, I'm good, but was like, no, I got to throw. So he, he moved it up, I mean, almost about a month, uh, you know, so I think that says a lot about him too. 
Well, I think they asked, hey, why are you throwing? Because I love football. Like, I love playing football. Like, I don't know what else you need. There isn't a trade package that I would take if I'm Jacksonville to get rid of this pick for Trevor Lawrence. Um, I think he, he just proved – like, so I feel like the big knock on Trevor Lawrence was – he kind of misses on some deep balls sometimes, whether he doesn't um, lead the receiver enough, he might underthrow it. I mean, what was that one pass where he rolled out to the left, came back to the right and threw like a 65 yard dime. <laughs> to the receiver. He basically was like, Oh yeah. What's okay. the problem now, now? He missed a couple throws that were like in that green zone, red zone, but like some of those throws, the receivers probably should have had and an NFL receiver is going to have. So um, no, I thought the pro day only helped him. And usually that's, that that's the case at the pro day. So uh, I loved it. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, just the overall, just arm strength. It's just so much fun to, you know, watching the home run derby, watching slam dunk, just watching like athletic specimens, just do what they're best at watching Trevor Lawrence throw at 60 yards. Like you were saying in the air, it's just so much fun to watch. I think it's funny yeah. that um, about at the end of it, it's like five minutes left or 10 minutes left of his pro day. And it's like, it's show off time now. Let's show what the arms got. Let's just loosen up a little bit. You're throwing 55 yard bomb, then a 65 yard bomb and stuff like that. So like he can really turn it on. And he, sh- he showed his mobility too, which was really sweet. Um, let's move on to some NFL news. Uh, JJ Watt was released by the Houston Texans. So um, we had one of a, one of our friends and loyal listeners who is a Houston Texans fan. Um, Kevin Harris. He's, he's not, guest of the show Houston yes guest of the the show show. Uh, I just what are you guys' thoughts on this release my personal opinion is I like that they released him so he gets the opportunity to go somewhere but I still think they could have got something for him found the team that he wanted to go to and and get some compensation but what's the initial thoughts on this and where do you think he's going my initial thought is that while I understand that he is a Texan legend and he's been there for a decade you can work with Watt and say, hey, hypothetically, where would you want to go? And be able to work with the team that he wants to go to and say, okay, just give us a third round pick. We're going to call it a day. Like you're, you're not going to get value or like equal value, but you're going to get something. And I think that doing right by Watt is not mutually exclusive to getting draft capital. You can get both. Like you can make sure Watt gets to where he wants to go and get something like Brady was alluding to. I think there's two things. I think the counterpoint to that thought is just that there definitely probably is a couple teams that fall off the list. If he's at the price point at which he was at, you know, I think of a team like the the Steelers um, who's pretty cap strapped. I don't know if they would have been able to afford him at his price, but I think the second thought is the more I thought about it is that they're in the news right now for a lot of negative things with their players. So if you could take an opportunity, especially the new GM, to say, hey, look at us. We're not that bad. <laughs> they took that. <laughs> and I don't For know. Sure. I think it's tough to wait, tough to walk away from even a fourth-round pick. There's got to be some team that he's willing to go to that would take his contract for a fourth-round pick. Yeah. The teams that come to mind for J.J. Watt play with his brothers in Pittsburgh. He's from Wisconsin, so Green Bay is an option. Uh I think Buffalo has a shot. Buffalo was an option. Oh. There was Cleveland. another team. Cleveland and then I, I, I heard Dallas, but I don't I don't think Dallas cannot I don't, afford him. I don't yeah, I don't what do you what do you think he's gonna say? They're gonna need like, some defensive players though. <laughs> what what I know is that 
usually with these, it's always like, boom, oh, why, why are you going there? Clayus Campbell, oh, he gets traded to Jacksonville out of all places. I, I just feel like with a defensive lineman, it's so hard to predict because everybody needs defensive linemen. That is true. Yeah, I, yeah. let's move on to some quarterback talk. <laughs> um, so we talked about Aaron Rodgers, and I know if we didn't have this on the list today, Jeremy would have freaked out. Um, <laughs> Russell Wilson is reported – It's. It's a very tricky situation because he said something similar to what Roger said, where, which is making everyone believe, does Russell want out of Seattle? So the question is, does Russell want out of Seattle, and is there a spot for him, or do you think there can be any compensation to get Russell Wilson out of Seattle? I don't see a scenario where he's out of Seattle. What, was the, what were the quotes? Was it like verbatim like what Rogers said? Well, his wasn't as like depressing as Rogers. His was more like, get me an offensive line and we're not running the football kind of thing. Like we're like, (laughs) I'm the guy here. Like help me out. To me, his seemed more like I'm kind of unhappy or like I'm disgruntled. Yes. Like, yes. Like, so, and, and I don't know if you guys heard this, but I heard this, you know, two, three days ago, which kind of, you know, at first I was like, there's no way, like, he's not that unhappy. They probably, it got kind of misconstrued, whatever, but supposedly it's reported that he's, he made, he made these comments internally and then must not have liked the answer that he got. And then he said it, I I'm pretty sure on the Dan Patrick show, I think is when he said it publicly, but so that, that kind of caused me to kind of go, Hmm, that's interesting. So I don't know if he's really that unhappy or maybe he's just really trying to get him to do something. I don't know. I just don't know a team that could give enough for Russell Wilson. Like, I think, I think Seattle would ask more for Russell Wilson. Yeah. Right. Houston would, but they wouldn't swap. Russell Wilson would want to go to Houston and, and uh, Deshaun Watson, if Russell Wilson's having issues there, probably wouldn't want to go to Seattle. For context, this is uh, part of the quotes that Wilson said. So part of it, like any player, you never want to get hit. That's the reality of playing this position. Ask any quarterback who play, who wants to play this game. At the same time, it's part of the job. I, I've definitely been hit. I've been sacked almost 400 times. I think and it's then like he, 397 in the last five years. Right. Like and that. then he just finished up by saying, at the end of the day, it's your legacy, your team's legacy. It helps to be involved more. That dialogue should happen more often. So definitely sounding off a little bit on – wanting to be involved shots in the, to the front office definitely, definitely shots to the front office and definitely he should have some sort of say in i mean he's their franchise quarterback he i mean he's their highest paid player i feel like he's got to have some sort of say in um some decision making uh let's move on to the last part of our nfl notables um and we're talking about carson wentz so the offer that i heard was indianapolis offering two second round picks for carson wentz is that enough? Is that too much or too little for Carson Wentz and his contract? It's really not horrible when you think of shipping his contract out. I, I would like to see one of those turn into a first, but I just don't see a scenario where they get two picks and one of them being a first. I think that it Philly could do a whole lot worse because you're factoring in the contract with that. You're not only trading away the player, you're trading – you're dumping that contract on somebody else's books. So we saw that with the Goff and with uh, the Matt Stafford deal that you have to give, you have to give it up to email in order to be able to uh, make that work with bad contracts. So I don't think it's horrible. Yeah. I really don't see them doing a ton better than this. Um, And to these guys' points, like not only the contract thing, but 
they do have a, a, a decent looking plan B. So it's not like they're shipping Wentz out and they literally have nothing in the cupboard. Like they have hurts. So it's like you get to retool a little bit, um, but at the same time, you're not leaving it completely, completely empty. So would you rather have two seconds from Indianapolis or pick 20 from Chicago? Two seconds. Two seconds. I would also rather have two seconds. Two seconds. It's, yeah. I just feel like they have enough needs that they need more picks because they're – I don't think their roster is that great. I don't know about what you guys think. And I, I don't know. Here, here's picks. the here's the thing. They they think they have the Stafford in the Stafford Goff trade, but the reality is they have they have the Goff. Like yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I I I don't. I think it's too early to write off on Carson. Oh, I I think Carson's going to show out. Where I think yeah, he'll but, be but fine. But you could say the same thing about Goff. You could, right? But if if you put Carson Wentz in Indianapolis, that's a lot better situation than Goff in Detroit. No doubt. So I don't know. He's going to be biting off kneecaps. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> okay. So stupid. He's going to be times that I've heard that bitten off. Oh, we're not. A lot of times I've heard that from Detroit. Nobody's letting it go, and I and I don't blame them. Um, but on today's show, we're we're gonna talk some NFL draft. Uh, We did our own mock draft, so it's our mock draft 1.0, where we each had eight picks. Um, we'll go through that. But first, we're gonna do our pick your players. So we did the offense edition last week. Let's talk some defense. So we're talking about the main guys on the defensive end. Um, let's start with some edge rushers. Uh, Gregory Russo. Um, or Quiddy Pay. So Gregory Russo is um, edge out of Miami. He opted out early, and then Quiddy Pay was edge slash defense alignment um, from Michigan. Which side are we on in this one? Which guy are you picking? I like Quiddy Pay. I think he's more versatile. I think he's more physical uh, at the line of scrimmage. I think he contributed a little bit more in the run game than Russo. There is something to be said about that and being able to be more versatile but I think the project, the production that Russo had in 2019 was just insane. 15 and a half sacks, uh, two forced fumbles in 13 games. Th- being able to come back and be able to produce similar numbers, he'd be much higher than he is here. And you just kind of have to bank on that talent showing out. So I'm going Russo here. Uh, I am, I'm going pay. Um, and to be honest, I, I, if you look at the production, it might not, it, it might bold to Russo here, but you saw the, the strides that pay made throughout this past year an abbreviated year. But to be honest, I, he kind of reminds me of like a Rashawn Gary, like a, a guy that didn't necessarily. Oh, you mean edge rusher oh, from gross. Michigan? Gross. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, in the sense that he didn't necessarily reach his full potential that you, you thought those kind of physical traits and all that would have necessarily equated to at the collegiate level. Um, but a guy that has so much potential because of his freakish ability and his athletic traits, just think he, if, if he gets into the right system with the right coach and they can kind of break down and get to some of those fundamentals, I think he's going to be a huge steal um, because he could maybe fall a little bit because of that, that uh, little bit of lack of production. I'm also on the quitty pay side. Um, Gregory Russo had a great numbers in 2019 my concern is, and this is what scouts are going to have concerns with, is Jalen Phillips had a really good year without Gregory Russo there. So is it how good Russo and Phillips are, or is it the scheme and system that Miami has? So I, it's going to be tough. They're both really good. They're both really good athletes. Um, I think Russo is a little bit more uh, 
raw than what um, Quiddy Pay is, where you're going to have to develop him a little bit more, but his athleticism is second to none. So um, a really good comparison there. Um, let's move on to some bigger guys. We're going defensive tackles. So we have Christian Barmore from Alabama or Davion Nixon from Iowa, both three tech slash nose. They're defensive tackles. Um, which guy do you like more here? I guess we're going to go silence in the group yes, here. Yes, seriously. Yeah. Um, you guys don't like with... any of them. Sounds good. Okay, moving yeah, on. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I wouldn't throw a first-round pick at either one of these two at this point, but I'll probably go with Davion Nixon. I, I really like that Barmore is young. He, I mean, I think Barmore's 20 years old, so he's got a lot of room to grow. Um, but I, I'm kind of with Bradley. I don't know if I would I would take either one of these guys in the first round um, just because I think there's so much talent elsewhere uh, as far as other positions. So um, I probably wouldn't go either one. Yeah, I, I got Barmore. Um, I think he'll sneak into the first round late kind of back half of the first round, just because of his upside. Um, I mean, I think he's a guy that showed a decent amount um, in, in spurts at Alabama um, and is kind of like slowly <laughs> starting to play some of his best football. Like, like Brady alluded to, he's, he's young. Um, I think early on in his high school career, he was really only offered by like Temple and then just started to gain more, uh, more traction as he got into his, his latter half of his high school career. And again, I feel like you felt that a little bit too at Alabama. Uh, started to play a little bit more and a little bit came on uh, more at the end of his stretch. Um, so I, I'm going to go with Barmore here. I'm leaning Barmore too. And just seeing it a lot of mocks, it seems as though he is getting to the midpoint of the first round. And the consensus is that he's getting to that first round midpoint. So what do you not like about his game or what do you, what are you not projecting uh, Brady and Bradley that you just don't think that he's going to be able to make it at the cle or uh, the NFL. I mean, saying that someone's the second round pick does not mean. No, you yeah, don't, don't hear what I'm productive. not saying. I guess. Like, well, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, just because I say they're not in the first round does not mean they're not going to be a good player. So, so Josh, would you rather have like Christian Barmore for the Vikings, or would you rather take Quiddy Pay? I guess it depends on what we do. For me, that's that's but... simple. It's Quiddy Pay every yeah. single day. But I just don't think there's unless, uh, unless you're unless you're finding uh, an Aaron Donald or a Quinn and Williams like th these guys aren't absolute game wreckers. And, and I mean, I guess film will tell over time. I, I'm not going to sit here and say I've watched three hours of film on each of these guys, but the fact that they're not <clears throat> in the top ten means that they're not game wreckers. So is that just positional flexibility more? In my like opinion, positional value more than it is the guys themselves. That's For me, definitely I gonna... think there's just better, better players elsewhere where these guys are are getting taken. And we'll talk yeah, about it in our gonna... mock when it's like when we look at our mock and be like, oh, I th I think this guy could have gone over where Barmore went. So um, it, it'll just be interesting because I I still think Barmore might be good. It's just I haven't seen enough of him to warrant a first round pick yet, um, and that obviously can can change. Let's talk edge. Um, our basically tier two of edge rushers. Um, Aziz Ojalari from Georgia, Joseph Osai from the University of Texas, and Jalen Phillips from the Hurricanes of Miami. Which guy you guys like the most here? I, I think this is a very intriguing trio of edge rushers. Yeah, it really is. I like Ojalari the best. I think he has the ability to be 
an outside linebacker in a 3-4, he can also put his hand in the dirt in a 4-3 on the outside. I think his versatility is is second to none. I think if a solid defensive line coach gets their hands on him, they can really blossom him into a fantastic edge rusher. I, I really like Phillips, um, and that's what I'm going to go with here. He's got a very similar type of versatility as well. Um, and, I, and again, I think he's another guy that's starting to come into his own um, and did last year. Um, you saw his production. I think he can be a huge playmaker against the, in the run and the pass game. Um, he's got really good you know, size, length, power. You know, I just think he's going to end up being a really good football player. That's one thing I think is going to be super interesting on edge rushers. We saw that here um, locally with, help me out, defensive end that the Vikings traded for um, and then traded away. Yannick Ngakwe. Yeah, Yannick Ngakwe. That we saw he was a proficient pass rusher, but couldn't do much else in the running game. And so didn't see a future with the Vikings. That's going to be the theme in the NFL is being able to be that versatile player on the defensive line, being able to do a whole lot of things. So, yeah, like Becker was saying, I'm echoing that. I'm going Phillips. Uh, maybe a little bit cautious of what Brady was saying earlier about whether that's the system uh, with Russo and whether that's only going to be just that's the position they played, uh, but just athletic freak and had a lot of production there. So I think I'm going Phillips. For me, it's Aziz Ojolari. I, I think he's an absolute stud. And I think he could challenge both Quiddy Pay and Gregory Russo to be the number one edge in this class. And I, I think that might be the case towards cl closer to draft time. Um, I he's think for me, well. number two is, yeah, I think so too. And um, for number two, I think Joseph Osai, I think he just plays so hard uh, for tech for Texas. He only, so I think this was his third year at Texas. His first two years, he only played like a, an average of 33% of the snaps. This last year, he played about 55% of the snaps and everything I've heard, he was just the best player. I mean, he was the, I believe the big 12 defensive player of the year. He just, his numbers popped. So um, I think there's this edge class at the top is really heavy. Um, and I could see all five of these guys going in the first round. So let's, let's move on to our last one, um, and this one is really good. Probably two top ten picks here, um, both at the corner position. We're talking about Patrick Sertan and Caleb Farley. Uh, which side are you guys on, and this does not mean you don't like the other guy? I've cemented myself in the, the Caleb Farley uh, as my number one corner. I like his size. I like his physicality, and I like his ability to play press man-to-man. -man. The reasons that Bradley was saying, I think when it, you're deciding between two and it's close for you, I think you go with the guy with the more length. Uh, that's been more and more prevalent. And the, at the next level is getting a guy who can be able to uh, reach in the middle between the hashes there. So I'm going Caleb Farley for sure. I lean Sertan. So I don't know if that's the same as, as Brady or not, but out of the first two, obviously I'm on a different side of the coin here. But I think, you know, Sertan's got some length. Um in just his his pedigree, I think bodes well to him too. I think Farley, um, correct me if I'm wrong, he sat out, right? Yep. Yes, he's year. out. Yep. Um, you know, and he's had some injury history as well. Uh, you know, he had the ACL, um, and then he also had some back spasm stuff to end uh, 2019, and then you sit out a full year. So I think to me, when the, the conversation is this close, uh, I think I kind of lean Sertan here just because of what he did this past year. Um, you know, and, and I just, like I said, I think his, his production on the field speaks for itself too. Anytime you talk about a three-year starter at Alabama, it's tough to go against, but I'm on the Caleb Farley side. 
Uh, I think he's just bigger. He's more physical. He's faster. I think he's better in coverage too. Um, but I feel like right away, Sertan might be better just because like Jeremy said, Caleb Farley was an opt-out. He didn't play all last year. Sertan might be better at covering right away, but I think once Farley gets into a system um, and is the guy on the outside, he's going to be tough to get around. He's big physical. And like I said, he's, he's super athletic too. And both of these guys, I think are six, two, six, one, six, two. So you guys yeah, know how both, I feel about their both corners. Yeah, Far, Farley's, <laughs> Farley's six, two, one ninety seven, and Sertan is six, one, two Oh three. Yes. Those are some big corners and they're athletic too. So got to love those top of the Brady uh, loves the, big corners and he cannot lie. Right, that Josh? is facts. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to talk about mock draft 1.0. Hi guys, this is Jeremy Becker from the fourth and a mile podcast. Just wanted to thank you guys for tuning in and remind you to follow us on Twitter at fourth and a mile pod. That's fourth and and a mile pod. Thanks, guys. And now back to the sports. We are back into the fourth and a mile podcast. We're getting right into our mock draft 1.0. So what we did here is each one of us had eight picks. So Jeremy had pick one. Josh had pick two. Bradley had pick three. I had pick four. And then we just kept rotating. So what we're going to do is we're going to say our top or like the fifth one through five to start. And then uh, we'll just basically see if there's any surprises there. Um, and then just keep going on that way. So, Jeremy, you're on the clock with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, I know we're probably going to talk a, lot, uh, a while about a lot of these picks, so I figured I should take at least, like, five minutes on pick one. Um, <laughs> see if any trade offers come in. I went just – I'm just kidding. Trevor Lawrence. All right, move on. Number two. <laughs> Josh, Where the draft the actually starts, number two. Seriously. <laughs> so, I don't think that they have the confidence – in their quarterback situation right now with Darnold. So for the Jets, well, who is I, they? the Jets, thank you. The Jets, sorry. The Jets at number two, Justin Fields, uh, quarterback out of Ohio State. Uh, I am super high on Trey Lance, but I just don't think that the Jets. So we preface this with what we think the team will do. And so I don't think the Jets are going to go for a smaller school guy at this high in the draft. I think they're going to go with a safer pick with Ohio State. Ohio, Ohio State pedigree. So <laughs> Justin Fields, yike. Uh, obviously, I don't know if we said this either, Brady. Sorry if you did. And I did not. Redundant, but there's no trades in this draft. Um, so I pose a question to you guys. Do you think the Jets are drafting at number two on draft night? If they are, they have to draft quarterback. If they don't, they need to trade that. back. That'd be a mistake to draft a non-quarterback at number two. I totally agree with that. Bradley, you were on agree. the clock. This is, this is an interesting pick. Um, I personally love the pick that I did. No, no bias there. <laughs> um, I went Micah Parsons, not a common pick, probably not somebody that most people thought would be taken. I, I really like the player, but I, I love the fit even more with Brian Flores. Um, talk about a need for the team in general. They're not like their depth at linebackers, not great. It's a Landon Roberts and Jerome Baker are, their two starters going into 2021. Um, so it's definitely a need for them. Um, I think Micah Parsons was a top five player coming into this college football season. He opts out. He's kind of had this negative vibe from off the field issues. I'd like to hope that his, his year off kind of matured him a little bit said, Hey, let me focus on me. I'm going to, I'm going to get myself 
right, so to speak, and, and just clean up a little bit of the character issues. Um, and I think he's going to be a home run pick at three. And you saw what Devin White is doing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think the, the Dolphins can say, hey, we're going to do something similar. And he can play edge too. Um, yeah, he can so do everything. Yeah, for sure. So I'm on the clock at four with the Atlanta Falcons. Um, and I'm cheesing hardcore that Zach Wilson's still on the board. So I'm going to take Zach Wilson. He gets to sit behind uh, Matt Ryan for a year, and then he gets the keys the following year. So I'm taking Zach Wilson, quarterback from BYU. Jeremy, you're on they, the clock with Cincinnati Bengals. I like the, the Wilson pick. I do think they end up going quarterback there. Um, so following it up, Cincinnati, just like uh, Atlanta's excited, I think Cincinnati is also thrilled. Um, I think they go uh, Panay Sewell here, um, not only because the Bengals are very often more than not going with the best available, um, and it just so happens that it's Sewell. I think there's an argument to be made at a very important position that he might be the second you know, best player in this draft. So I think they end up getting a, a really big piece to their offensive line um, at number five. Any surprises in the top five? For me, it was the Micah Parsons, but like thinking about it, if they can't trade out, I, I like the pick. You get it, you take value there too. Yeah, I don't think I don't think you're unhappy with that pick. Absolutely not. Uh I personally would love a wide receiver there for them, like Jamar Chase, but um I think Parsons is I mean Parsons is stunned. So absolutely. Yeah, I it's just not a name that you see going that high. Uh, but when, like Brady was saying, when you think about that fit, uh, you start to, the more you think about it, the more you like it. Improve that defense. Like their defense was really good. You add another piece to it and they're Tampa Bay from last year. <laughs> they're unstoppable. Like you don't have to put too many points up on the board if they're that good. Like they, yeah, you, you want to help Kansas your quarterback, City. just put an absolute elite defense out on the field. Exactly. Yep, I totally agree. So, Josh, you're on the clock at pick six. So, I'm six here with Philadelphia Eagles. They made a mistake last year in passing up on an LSU wide receiver. They're not going to make the same mistake this year. They're taking Jamar Chase, wide receiver out of LSU, giving their quarterback, whoever that may be next year, uh, some weapons and to be able to make some plays because they certainly did not have enough of those last year. Sure. Well, I have Detroit Lions at seven. Thought about taking Trey Lance, but I'm going to go to improve that defense that still needs a lot of help. Um, so I'm going to let Goff prove it for a year. I went Caleb Farley, cornerback from Virginia Tech. I think his length paired with Akuda, they could actually put those guys on islands out there and hopefully for the best. Yeah, I didn't even think about that pick. Carolina at eight. Uh, if I'm Carolina, I'm also cheesing about this. I get Trey Lance at eight. This is a team I don't think will be drafting at eight because I think they'll be trading up, um, but they got a quarterback here in this mock at pick eight. And with uh, that quarterback off the board, I think the, so the Broncos are up here at nine and I think the Broncos I, not really talked about as a team that could draft a quarterback um, as much as I think they probably are be. looking at it. Um, now I think that has a lot to do with the fact that there's going to be a lot of really good quarterbacks gone by nine. Um, so they're probably going to have to trade up if they want one of those four. Um, so they go cornerback here. Fangio really needs to get better uh, at the outside. I think they have some guys in the middle of the field on that defense, but they really need another corner uh, with like Bouye probably going to be gone. Um, so they, they go Patrick Sertan there. Uh, Patrick Sertan, the second, sorry, from corner, cornerback from Alabama. 
And then rounding out this round of five here. So my first two picks, I liked how the board fell to me. Uh, this one, I did not. The past, the three, out, two out of the last three picks were corners. That is a huge need in Dallas. Did not like how that uh, fell for me. So this is a situation where I would either trade up and try to get back, you know, try to get ahead of that, or you just trade down and try to get value where you can. But we're not doing trades here. So I went JC Horn, cornerback out of South Carolina. Little bit of a reach, but position. Come on, Jerry, you panicked. <laughs> positional value here i think is worth it there for uh, uh jerry's world i think yeah this is where we have to start for start looking at the picks uh, for me if dallas was there and the board is like it is it's got to be offensive line I, for me i think rashawn slater was would be the pick um but i mean you talk about jc horn with uh trayvon Diggs. they want to get another corner young corner that's a good duo but i for me i, mean, I, I think, think it would be offensive line i think kyle pitts would have centered my attention Ooh. but jarwin <laughs> you're making brady sweat now <laughs> that would have been bradley nice. what about blake jarwin jarwin and pitts wow they're not gonna have enough <laughs> linebackers to cover those guys <laughs> yikes any other surprises for me that Detroit pick, I didn't even think about Farley to Detroit. I think Detroit will probably trade back and try and get more picks because they are definitely playing for the future. Um, but yeah, they're actually going to try to set the record and have 15 first-round picks next season. <laughs> Go I for just, it. To me, for Detroit, I think if you're taking Farley there and you're a Detroit fan, I think you're sad. Not because of the Farley pick, but the fact that they have to draft a cornerback there after they, they draft Okuda last year. You know, you think you're you're making this big improvement with that pick last year, and I just think they probably whiffed on an opportunity to draft a quarterback uh, last year. Um, you know, my the only other gripe or the one thing to say is I'm in the same camp as uh, Brady with J.C. Horn. I just think if if the board falls that way, obviously cornerback is a need, so I don't fault the pick, you know, the position pick there. Um, but if the board fell this way, I'd be pretty surprised to see Slater fall past there. Brother, let's talk pick 11. You're the New York Giants. Who are you taking? Uh, uh, I'm, I'm happy to get Daniel Jones another weapon, um, and that's going to be Devonta Smith, wide receiver from Alabama. They're sprinting to the podium here. I think they would be thrilled. Yeah. Talk about sprinting to the podium. Pick number 12, the San Francisco 49ers. See that Rashawn Slater is still on the board. They are also sprinting there. Giving they are some not more. sprinting there. Yes, There's are. no way they're sprinting. No, they're not. Why? You don't like that pick? That. I'm just telling you, it's not like a, oh my gosh, he fell. Like, that's about where he should be going. I I disagree, but anyways. <laughs> How high do you Charger? think he should be going then, Slater? Slater? What's his ceiling? Uh, Five to the Eagles. Really? Yes. Wow. If Miami takes Sewell at three, Cincinnati is taking an offensive lineman. They need to protect their quarterback. They need to. I eat his injury last year. Yes, exactly. Towards <laughs> ACL last year. They, they need, need to, to protect, protect their franchise. Speaking uh, of protecting their franchise quarterback, I have the Chargers at 13, and I went Christian Darasaw there, uh, offensive tackle from Virginia Tech. We talked about it, protect your franchise. Um, I think they're happy with getting uh, an offensive tackle there, uh, or a really good one. That leaves me at 14 with the Minnesota Vikings. I think that if they are in this position, they're not upset that I don't think they are going to see the board. This is going to be pretty similar to what they're going to see. So we're going to get, take Gregory Russo defensive end out of Miami, uh, be able to pair him 
uh, with that defensive line that we have here, um, replace Everson Griffin that we've been trying to do for a little bit now. So uh, I like that pick here. I would like to hear the other two Vikings fans uh, opinion. Bradley, New England Patriots are on the clock for 15. We'll talk about it in a bit. Go. <laughs> uh, I would be quite happy if I was Bill Belichick to get Jalen Waddle here at uh, a lot of happy 15. GMs here. I mean, I don't know how you wouldn't be happy. He's projected to be a top 10 pick. Uh, he's, sure. It's something that, that they need. They need some help on the outside. They obviously missed on uh, Nikhil Harry. Uh, they need to get whoever's their quarterback next year some help. Uh, Bradley, drafting for Bill, let's say Waddle was off the board here. Uh, would would you be considering Mac Jones at this pick for the Pats? I would not. I'd be uh, going Kyle Pitts. Um, so to answer Jeremy's question about the Russo pick, I wouldn't be thrilled. It's a pick that's just like, okay, for me, like it's just like I would rather trade back to 21 and get Aziz Ojolari and not pick Russo there. Um, but obviously there's no trades here. And, and I'm looking at the board, and it's just like, where do you go? Probably Quiddy Pay instead of him because he probably fits a little bit better. But it's just – if the board felt like this, it would be, it'd be disappointing because – you would yeah, I'm telling you, I'm it. disappointed if I'm seeing this board. I'm hoping that Waddle and Pitts get picked before pick 14. So one of those fair. offensive linemen fall down or one of those corners fall down. You think Darisaw Slater are there? That's an automatic pick for one of those two? Nah. No, I don't. Slater, for sure. Slater's an automatic for me. So Brady loves Slater. <laughs> I mean, if you look at a bunch of the guys – the the experts picks i mean he's a top five prospect for him a lot of people people have him right next to Panay sewell so uh, he can play guard and tackle i i don't know what there's not to like i think i think he's perfect yeah so i have picked 16 and when we were doing this this last week my thought was did these guys miss the the big boards and all that stuff because (laughs) arizona cardinals are taking kyle pitts um, my number two player in this draft, the uh, offensive player from Florida. The offensive player from Florida. <laughs> I, I'm telling you right now, every every draft someone falls. And it just happened to be Kyle Pitts in this draft. Could you imagine? I, they have two Swiss Army Knives back-to-back years. They have Kyle Pitts and they have Isaiah Simmons. That would be nuts. Let's hope they don't wait till halfway through the year to start using the second one they draft. Right? <laughs> I think – I think Kyle Pitts there would be awesome. I think the, the Cardinals would be thrilled. I also think if like Waddle didn't go 15 and he fell, I think Waddle there would be cool for the Cardinals. I, I think an offensive piece um, would be interesting. So then I have 17 uh, for the Las Vegas Raiders. And I went uh, Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa. Oh, nailed it. Nice. That a boy. Linebacker it. for Notre Dame. Um, I think he's just a really, really smart, um, smart football player, kind of like their mold that they go to, uh, you know, Mac loves his just, obviously he's not a Clemson guy. So, but Mac loves his just really kind of agree. Yeah. Just really good, um, name brand football, college football teams and college football players. They need a leader of the middle of that defense. Um, and I think they go J O K there. I like to pick Josh. You are on the clock. The Miami Dolphins are picking their second pick of the draft. 
So they the for context, I so like Brady was saying, I'm picking for Miami. At pick three, they picked a linebacker, Micah Parsons, Penn State. I think they're going just all in on defense. Uh, so then I have them taking here Quiddy Pay, edge out of Michigan. And we've been talking about uh Quiddy Pay and Gregory Russo for a lot of this pod. And so I'm just kind of, you know, covering my bases here. I do think that he is incredibly talented and like uh we've been saying earlier very versatile and that's going to be nice for the Dolphins here at 18. And I just need to get the GM's number of Miami because what are they doing? Pick 18. <laughs> <laughs> I pick Micah Parsons and saying, hey, you go get somebody on offense for me. And then he goes out and throws out Quiddy Pay. <laughs> All right. I'm going to pick 19 with the Washington football team. They're kind of at that bad spot. To, to get a quarterback. Um, so they go and beef up the offensive line and get Alex Leatherwood. Um, he, I think he's perfect for what they're trying to do uh, in Washington, kind of a, a short dump it down kind of throwing offense and the, like the pound the rock, rely on that defense. He, he's a power, powerful offensive lineman that can clear a lot of, a lot of holes for the run game and get uh, Antonio Gibson some space. Chicago's up at pick 20, which this will probably be Philly, but uh, we're going to, we're not doing trades. So <laughs> Chicago is up at 20 and they are taking Elijah Vera Tucker, the offensive lineman from USC. He can play tackle. He can play guard. Uh, they just need some help up front. So uh, whoever their quarterback is, they got to get some help up there. Um, so looking back at the last five picks, what, what surprised you for me, it was the Alex Leatherwood pick. I, I think that's a little high for him. I don't know what your guys' thoughts are. Uh, for me, my surprise is the Miami Dolphins pick. <laughs> well, no. That too. Yes. no, I'm just saying, like, honestly, if I'm a Dolphins fan, I am irate. Like, we have a fantastic defense. We already wasted pick three on him. You better go get somebody. Wasted. Wasted. Not pick a great three. word. That's... I mean, I made the pick, so I didn't I waste know. nothing. <laughs> and to Bradley's point, this is kind of exactly why I love Jamar Chase, I think, at three. Because I think you're going to find a guy in this range – no, you know, that could be no a, a, a really good defensive player <laughs> I disagree. for their defense. I so disagree. Why don't you go get Kadarius Tony at 18? That's a perfect fit with Devontae Parker. Ooh, Becker, that's your guy though. I do oh, like that. I do like that. <laughs> no, I, I think, I think that one. <laughs> I think you have a better shot at getting a better receiver at 18 than a better defender. Okay, can we talk about the Washington football team? If they come away with <laughs> Alex Leatherwood in the first round when they need receiver and a quarterback, they are burning the White House down there. It's no good. No, they're not. That's a good pick. Stabilize that offensive line. Disagree, and that's not me hating on Alex Leatherwood. That's yeah, it is saying there's so many more needs there. Okay, but let's go to pick twenty-one. The Indianapolis Colts. Jeremy, you are on the clock. So I this one might this pick probably took me the longest just because I just. I feel like they've got a couple different directions they could go. And I was really going to go Mac Jones here, but there's part of me that just doesn't think he's going to be there um, at this point. And obviously, you know, I probably could have just penciled them in there just because, Hey, we're not doing trades, all this stuff. But I went, I went offensive lineman here. I went uh, Jalen Mayfield, you know, with the uh, remind me, why am I blanking on his name? Costanzo. Um, Costanzo. Yes. Um, with him retiring, you know, you just fill, you just fill that need right there. Um, plug and play. They continue to keep their great offensive line. Great. I'm at pick 22 for Tennessee. I took Rashad Bateman wide receiver out of the university of Minnesota. 
And I think that they got to replace Corey Davis. Uh, he overperformed. They didn't franchise take him. Uh, so they got to be able to replace that production there. I believe um, they didn't, re- they didn't franchise take Corey Davis. Honestly. I mean, you still it's can. Not, you it's still not can. the franchise. No, the fifth, pick up his fifth year option. Sorry. Oh, um, <laughs> they did not pick up his fifth year. option. Yeah, that's what I said. They season. didn't pick yeah. it up. So they he, need to replace prob- that production. He's, he's probably walking. It's a, it's a, it's honestly a good fit for them. Uh, I'm at pick 23 with the New York jets and I match up uh, a good fit for what they picked at uh, pick two with Justin Fields. And I give him Kadarius Tony. I think it's a good fit with um, Denzel Mims and Justin Fields. I think it's a home run pick for them at 23. Yep. I agree. So uh, I'm at pick 24 (laughs) Pittsburgh. Uh, they're getting their quarterback of the future here. They're drafting Mac Jones. Um, I don't think Mac Jones will be here um, at this point, but I think Pittsburgh would take him at here and see if they can get their next franchise quarterback and see if the end of the big bear, big Ben era will uh, treat them well with Mac Jones. And I have pick 25 and I'm assuming you guys would probably talk about this one. So we talked about him already. I defended him a little bit, uh, but it is Christian Barmore interior defensive lineman for Alabama and to me this felt like a need uh they drafted for need here I think with Jacksonville um obviously they have T-Law to start out the first round um their run their run defense is terrible um I believe it was 4.7 yards per carry they gave up last year they really need to beef up beef up the interior defensive line or you know the middle of the field so they have some guys Outside, they still probably need to shore up the cornerback position a little bit, uh, but I think they go Barmore here just to to really beef up the middle of the field. Well, if you just look at like what what they need, so they need, I mean, they need him, and then you look at other needs. So wide receiver, two wide receivers just went before him. They're not going to reach on another receiver. Tackles, a lot of tackles just went on a run too. So I mean, I don't hate the pick. And th- and that's what I meant when. Um, I think he's going to sneak into the, fir- the later half of the first round just because of need, just because of how the board falls. I think that's the scenario where you see him go in that, you know, 25 to 32 range. Yeah. Uh, what, any other critiques about that last, those last five picks? I didn't feel, I didn't see the Bateman pick right away, but the more I thought about it, I guess I understood the fit a little bit more, but um, other than that, I like the Tony pick. Um, I think Mac Jones makes sense too there. Did, and Mac Jones makes a lot of sense. Jeremy, do you have any concern about Jalen Mayfield being a right tackle? As far yeah, as I, as far as replacing Costanzo, and that doesn't mean he can't play left tackle, but he played right tackle at Michigan. So you yeah. know, Cosme um, crossed your mind a little bit. Yeah, I don't. I did. I did think those are the two obviously that I went with. It was either Mac Jones or one of those two offensive linemen. Um, you know, so. Mayfield makes sense. I think, yeah. And I think he's got some guard versatility there too. Um, You know, so maybe they move some shuffle, some things around, but I think, I think at that situation, if they pick Mayfield, I think they're picking more of just straight best available. I think. Let's move on to the, let's do the last seven and then we'll critique them. All right. So then I'm at 26 here uh, with Cleveland and we saw in the Super Bowl that the game is one in the trenches right now. And so they have a great offensive line. So I decided to go on the uh, opposite side of the ball here when Jalen Phillips edge out of Miami. It's a really good pick. I went for Baltimore at 27. I went Sam Cosme offensive tackle for Texas uh, talking about Orlando Brown wanting to, to be a left tackle and they might trade him. I think Sam Cosme is a great player to come in and play right tackle alongside of uh 
Ronnie Stanley. Uh, I think Sam Cosme, I, I love what his tape shows. So I'll just leave it at that for right now, but that's the pick for. And he could play left tackle before Stanley gets back too, if he needs to, yeah. depending on when he gets back. So I'm at 28 with New Orleans and I hate this pick because I love the player and I don't like the Saints. They get Aziz Ojolari, which I feel like is a steal at 28. Um, edge from Georgia. Jeremy, you are picking with the Green Bay Packers. I apologize. Um, pick a wide receiver. Do it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> I don't think – I do not think they will pick a wide receiver. Um, unless, you know, like Bateman or Tony are there. If, if it's at this point, I just don't think they do it, um, the way the board is currently – uh, constructed or how it fell. And to be honest, I'm not hundred percent sure what they're going to do. Uh, I know they've talked about uh, switching their scheme now with the new defensive coordinator. So this, what this pick was a little different for me. I felt like I had a lot, of, had a lot of pressure with this pick. Make the pick. Um, so I went to Sante Samuel jr. The two guys that I really hemmed and hawed between where the guy went next actually was Zayvon Collins. Um, I just don't know how much importance they're going to put at the linebacker position now um, with their new defensive coordinator coming that kind of being his uh, bread there. Um, so I went to Sante Samuel Jr. I think he has a similar makeup to um, Jair Alexander, just a feisty corner on the outside. And uh, yeah, they, they replaced Kevin King. Gosh, Gosh I wonder who you guess? pick at Buffalo. Can I, <laughs> I gave at a pick, quick little uh, at pick 30 <laughs> Buffalo was taking Zavin Collins linebacker out of Tulsa uh, and like Becker was alluding to uh, just helping to shore up that defense and uh, be able to keep building on what they have there in Buffalo. At pick 31, Kansas city went Liam Eichenberg. I think they realized that they need a little bit more depth on their offensive line to protect Patrick Mahomes. And I think uh, Eichenberg gives them that. Rounding out the first round, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers, take Davion Nixon. I think he is going to be the replacement for Nanamakan Sue. Um, I, I think that's basically the only player that they're not going to be able to get back. Cause he, for some reason, he always gets so much money and he, I mean, he's a good player, but I, you would think he might take a discount. I don't great, great locker room. Great, great locker room guy. Yeah. Easy for you to say. <laughs> okay. Not been, not been great. So those last seven picks, what do you guys think of them? Asante Samuel Jr. is obviously the biggest surprise, I would say. I think that the Packers might take – I think that's just going to be kind of a knee-jerk emotional reaction with Kevin King and think they might reach for a cornerback here. I don't know if it's necessarily Asante Samuel or if he is going to be a reach, uh, but in general, I think that may be in the cards. Jeremy, is that what you're hearing around Packer beat writers is Asante Samuel Jr.? Yeah, I, he's been he's been a – Stokes I've actually heard probably more. Um, I think they could go offensive tackle here too, but the way the board has fallen, I didn't love really any of the selections. Um, if it went this way, I'd probably prefer a trade back, just trade out of the first round. Um, but I think it's going to end up being corner if they stay at this spot and the board goes this way only because not just the knee jerk with Kevin King and all that, but they have no depth at that position really outside of Jair. I think Josh, Josh Jackson has been a bust. He's probably going to get cut. He couldn't even get on the field. Um, and like I said, outside of Jair, it's really no one. So I think they'll probably end up going corner or they trade out and then they draft one in the second round. I'm not a thousand percent sure, but uh, I do like Samuel just because of that, that makeup. But Your thoughts on trading up for Mac Jones. 
good one. It took me a while to get it, but that was great. <laughs> oh my gosh. Good for you. Um, so one last question before we go to our ones got to go. Uh, to me, these are the three top players that would be getting like second round looks that we didn't draft. And tell me which one your favorite one is. Sanaji so Harris, Trayvon Mulrig, and Joseph Osai. Which guy do you like the most that didn't get taken in the first round? Najee Harris. I think I think Najee, Najee Harris will be able to contribute immediately. Na- yeah. I would say Najee. Um, and Brady, before you answer, that's actually a, a position that it would be a sneaky pick, I think, for the Packers as well. Absolutely. It would be a horrible pick, but yeah. Not, not Najee, is. but I'm just saying running back. Oh, yes. Well, a team uh, or whatever. Yeah, we could talk about the Packers draft problems all day long if we wanted to. But anyways, let's go to our ones got to go. And we're talking about offensive weapons. Which one of these guys, I believe these are the top four offensive weapons in the draft this year. We got Jalen Outside Waddle. of quarterbacks. Correct. Uh, yeah. I I guess I didn't classify them Skill as position. Yeah. Yes. So Jalen Waddle, Kyle Pitts, Devonta Smith, Jamar Chase. Which one's got to go? I'll start For here. Me, I'm going Jalen go Waddle. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm going Jalen. Sorry, Bradley. I'm going Jalen Waddle. Uh, I think those two top uh, receivers are locked and loaded. And then it's basically what do you want? Either the speed guy in Waddle or the flexibility guy with Pitts. And I personally would prefer Pitts. I think he can do a lot more for you. And so I think the one that's got to go for me is Waddle. I think you'll be surprised on what GMs think about the top two receivers in this draft. Um, My one's got to go is Devonta Smith. I I worry a little bit about his size. I do like what he can do with his separation, but uh, I think Jalen Waddle is going to get a lot of traction. I am actually in the same boat. Um, I am actually going Devonta Smith as well. Um, I just think those three kind of separate themselves a little bit more. Yeah, I dug back in. I quickly changed my mind. Uh, last week, I think I just wanted to be different since you guys also Jamar Chase and I said Devonta Smith, uh, but he won't be the first wide receiver taken. Absolutely not. Um, but yeah, so I'm going Devonta Smith. I think Kyle Pitts is a separator of that position. Jalen Waddell is a difference maker with his speed. And uh, Jamar Chase is just a freak. I am also going Devonta Smith and I told myself I wasn't going to freak out about his size, but I keep, he's 175 pounds. He is. That little. is tiny. Like obviously he worked at college football, but you, cre- there's so much space in college football. There's some big dudes in the NFL that could be a problem. And Jalen Waddle is sneaky. Good. We talked about Jamar chase and my boy, Kyle. I cannot believe my boy, Kyle. I cannot believe I'm in the minority as thinking that Waddle has got to go before Smith. You will be surprised about Jalen Waddle. I mean, from I mean, we didn't think Ruggs was going to be the first receiver taken Wait, last who, year. Because Brady, <laughs> wide receiver one. Teams do fall in love with, with numbers and how they test in the pre-draft process. Everybody's trying to find Tyreek Hill. That's what they're trying to do. That's why, I mean, that's a big part of why Tony is just rising, rising, rising. Yep. People love. But wouldn't you rather trust production than like projecting what he could? Hey, you hate, you you didn't like Chenault last year. I would say he had a decently productive season. Are you, let's not get it twisted. 
Jalen Waddle was extremely productive before but he got not hurt. to the level. Yeah. Well, of... He was hurt. He was he was hurt. Before he got hurt, he was putting up those numbers before Devonta Smith was. So yeah, I, it'll be it'll be really interesting. It's all it's all Mac Jones, anyways. So <laughs> don't sleep on him. Don't sleep on him. <laughs> all right, you mean future Packer? Uh, that wraps up this edition of Fourth and a Mile. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Go deep. And see you next time.